0: God is faithful. He really is. I want to welcome you to week two of our mini-series. This is the last day of this series, Worry-Free Finances. I know a lot of times, we mentioned it last week, that when you mention the word finance in church, everybody starts getting uncomfortable. They start to itch a little bit. They start holding on to their their wallets or their purses a little tighter, and uh, they're like, there's no way you're getting any of this. And You know, we as Americans in our first world problems have a lot of things that we are anxious about, but the number one thing we're most anxious about is our finances, is money. That's a huge thing. 75% of Americans worry about finances all the time. All the time. All the time. Not just like, hey, when the bills come in the mail, it's like every day, every moment they wake up that they are so worried about it. And if we talk about all of these things that we deal with in our life, why wouldn't we talk about our finances? Because can I tell you something? God paints a totally different picture than what the world paints. He does not give promise of anxiety and worry and stress when it comes to your finances. He gives promises of blessings overflowing till there is no need. Let me remind you Malachi 3, 10. It says, bring the full tithe Into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Until there is no more need. We talked about that last week, that it fills up to such a place that there's no need in our life. Cars are functioning well. There's enough groceries to get us to the next paycheck. Our our cough has gone away and we're not having to go pay doctor's bills. Like there's no need of anything in my life. Are there wants? Absolutely. There are still things that I want in my life that I just financially am not going to be able to just go pick up whenever I want it. But we're going to talk about seven pillars of wisdom in our finances today. But I want you to hear me. God wants to fill you up to such a place that there is no need I think America and the church need to re-identify what the word need means, what you need, not well, everybody else got this car, why can't I have that car? You don't need that. If your car gets you from home to work, you got a good car. If your car gets you from home to work but still doesn't have heat, it's all right, wire up a hairdryer and stick that thing to the front of your hood and let it just blow back on you. Keep the windows down because I don't know if that's a fire hazard or not. Don't say I suggested that. You just, I don't know. I washed my hands of this. <laughs> Again, when you cling to this, this scripture, you have to realize, does it mean I'm going to see, not see hardships anymore? No, there will still be things going. Gas prices are still raising. There are still things. But the people who are givers that have no need aren't sweating it. They're not sweating it. Because God is just making that gas extend. Just them fumes are a little stronger. That quarter of a tank goes 10 miles farther. Because God has promised us that we'll be to a place where there is no need. But I need to remind you this week, it says, try me. You know what that means? You have a choice to make. His promises in the word always hinge on our choices. If you choose to do it my way, I'll bless you my way. If you choose not to do it my way... You'll find out what poverty truly is. All, all, and that's not in just poverty in your money, ladies and gentlemen. That's poverty in joy. That's poverty in your worry. That's poverty in your physical body. You'll find out that God does a lot for you on a daily basis. But we have to be reminded that it's all about how we choose to do things. So I want to give you some practical things today. If I'm searching for wisdom, where do I go in the Bible? Proverbs, exactly, Proverbs. What's beautiful about Proverbs to to people who might be new to the word, there's 31 of them. You can read one a day. One proverb a day will change your life forever, I can promise you that. Incredible scripture in there, and we're going to read some of it today. But Proverbs talks about wisdom 110 times. The word wisdom is found 110 times in the book of Proverbs. And out of that 110, 20 of those times, wisdom and finances are directly linked together. So again, don't tell me God's not a God of finance. Because he is is linking it all through there. And we talked about last week, there's over 800 verses that deal with finances in the Bible. So again, let's look to Proverbs. If you have, or in your Bible, turn to Proverbs 8, 12 through 21. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 through 21. This whole chapter, wisdom is written out, but it's written as if wisdom was a person. So when you hear them addressing things or you hear them talking to things in your life, this is wisdom speaking as a person in these verses. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 through 21. Here we go. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil are perverted speech I hate, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, All who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Even fine gold in my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness. In the path of justice. Granting an inheritance to those who love me. And filling their treasuries. Lord, I pray today that you would anoint me and use me. Anoint these lips to speak your word, to convey it. I know that it's the Holy Spirit that speaks and transforms our hearts. So may our hearts be open to hear this word today, that, God, you care about where we are financially in our lives. Lord, I just love you. I thank you. I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Touch this word. May it transform us forever. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Wisdom is making the right choice at the right time. A wise decision is one that you make today that you won't regret tomorrow. Anybody ever made one of those choices? Not the wise one, but the one you regret tomorrow. Some of you make it and regret it right after you made it. Wisdom is making a choice today that you will not regret tomorrow. Man, sure would be nice to make more of those decisions, right? Who, who would ever not want to make more of those I want to tell you something. You may not feel like you're good with money, but can I tell you, you can learn? Yeah. Wisdom just told me in the scripture, those who seek me diligently find me. The problem is all of you are eight, nine-year-old children that walk in your room, do this right here, and then come back and say, I can't find my shoes. Hey, pastor, I can't find wisdom. Wisdom. Hey, babe, I'm sorry everything's falling apart. I just can't can't find wisdom. I went and looked. How long did you look? Well, for about 30 seconds. How about you just tell me how to do it, Pastor? Why don't you just tell me to plug and play the numbers and it'll all work out? Wisdom comes to those who diligently seek it. You can learn how to be good with the things that you are given, but you have to be diligent about seeking out wisdom in that area. That means asking people. That means going to a, to a class or allowing somebody to look at your finances and you go, here's what they look like. This is everything I got. This is me being truthful, honest with you. Diligently doesn't mean, well, I'll just show you what I make, but I'm not going to show you what I spend. Diligently seeking is, here it all is. Oh, and here's all the debt, too, that I, I got into a couple years ago. If you're going to live a worry-free financial life, you must make the decision today to learn and grow in being a great steward of your finances. If you learn to manage God's way, money God's way, he will bless you with more to manage. John Siebling says it this way, God will not bless you with more to mismanage. Let me say that one more time. John Siebling says, God will not bless you with more to mismanage. Lord, if you just gave me more, I could get out of this debt. No, because you're not managing what I've already given you. Okay, and can I, can I talk about this just for a second? Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Did y'all catch that? My fruit is better than gold. You having worry-free finances doesn't mean everybody in the room is going to become millionaires. But it means everybody can get to a place where they live with no need. Your ends always meet and there's some left over for you to be able to enjoy a vacation or time with your family or to go get a newer vehicle, okay? He's not promising that you're going to become a gazillionaire because some of us can't manage a gazillion dollars. But what he's saying is, my fruit is more precious than gold. Don't seek my wisdom just to make more money. Seek my wisdom to be better and not have worry in your finances. That is the fruit that I produce, That is what comes about when you seek wisdom and you learn, you begin to understand it's better than having things in my life. I'm cool with the size house that I have. Yeah, it's a little tight right now, but guess what? When my kids are 25, I'm not going to say 18 anymore, right now it's by average 25, they'll leave. But then they still come grocery shop. Thank you mom and dad for that. Like Israel, go tell Mom, uh, Papa Need and this is what you need: two steaks, baked potato, and a whole cheesecake. But when they're gone, then I got all this space that I have nothing else to do with. But if I can be happy in wisdom where I'm at, I'm not saying don't get a bigger home. Let, let, just listen to my thought process. If I'm happy with where I'm at, guess what? I also get to do. I get to give to the kingdom of God. I get to watch a Chi Alpha missionary walk in and say, I've got 20 students that need to go to this retreat this weekend, and every time we have somebody go, somebody from another country gets saved, and they take the gospel to their country. I want to give in on that. I want to be so worry-free of my finances that I might not have the nicest or the biggest, but I got enough. Praise God. And there are people being changed for the kingdom of God because of it. Pastor comes in with this vision and this heart to see the inner city of our community changed and completely flipped around. Because if you pay attention, it's a cycle. They live in this cycle. At some point, you got to disrupt that cycle. But there's finances that you have to have to disrupt a cycle. But to be able to see real change and real things happen, I need to be at a place where I understand... Tons of money is, is not the final end answer to all of my problems. Wisdom in my finances or wisdom in how to steward things is what the end goal is. That is what's more precious than gold and choice silver. Man. Proverbs 9.1, wisdom has built her house. She has honed her seven pillars. Seven pillars that hold up the house of wisdom So today we're going to talk about seven pillars of financial wisdom. Seven things we're going to talk about today to help you with financial wisdom. Again, I told you this, I'm preaching this from a place that your pastor wants to see you live in freedom and not be bound by your finances. I want to see you live in a place that your family can have no need and that we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God as Journey Church We want to get to this place. We want Journey Church, not just the individuals too, but the church to be worry-free financed and not have to sweat those things and look at those things. So the first pillar that we're going to talk about today is vision. Vision. If you're taking notes, you need to write it down. Vision. What is vision? Vision is a picture of the preferable future. We all need something to reach for. You, most of us, are trying to make it to Tuesday's payday. But wisdom says you need to look a couple steps down the road and see where you want to be and what steps you need to take to get there. But sometimes, a lot of times, let me ask you this question. When you're planning a trip, do you just type in where you are now and figure out where you're going to go or do you already know where you're headed? I already know where I'm going. So that when I type in that address, I can now get the process to where I want to go. Everybody tracking with me. So many of us are trying to get worry-free finances, but we have no clue what that even looks like. We haven't even instilled in our heart and mind by God to see ahead of where we really want to be. We're just living it day to day. I'm just taking it one day at a time, Pastor. That's cool. That's your action plan. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but first you need to know where you're stepping already and what you're going to. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere you don't want to be. You will end up somewhere you don't want to be. Write this scripture down, Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. That word restraint means they're discouraged. Where there is no vision, where you have no plan to get out of where you are already, you will be discouraged. You will not understand why you're having to take the steps that you're taking because you're not remembering the picture that God showed you of where you could be. So many of us see other people and we're like, man, that would be great one day. See yourself there. See yourself there. Have the vision of it to know that you need to put it down so you will not be discouraged. Vision is a starting point. Anything is possible when you begin with vision. When you begin with the vision, it's a blank canvas. God, where do you want me to go with this? Where do you want me to step? What is that for me in my life? And God begins to paint this impossible picture that we think is impossible, but with his help, we're able to walk it out. Where do you want to be financially? Write that vision down. I want to be debt-free. I want to be debt-free. Thought I'd get a few amens from the people drowning in debt, but maybe, maybe you ain't come up for a breath yet. Maybe you're still drowning in it. It's all right. I'll send some uh, oxygen tanks to you, and you just breathe on it for a second. It's possible to get out of that. You can get out of it. But you've got to have that vision and see that. For the younger people in the room, I'm going to retire at this age, and I'm going to have this much money in retirement. That's vision. So every paycheck that you get, and you're putting $100 into retirement, you don't see that money yet. But your 60-year-old self, my 60-year-olds in the room can say amen at this one, will be very glad that you put that $100 of paycheck back. Because you retire with no worries, because you're going to have income for the remainder of your days. Because you put the work in now because you had a clear vision of where you were going. You've got to write it down. Listen, Michael Hyatt says this, the future takes the shape of choices in the present. The idea is to imagine a tomorrow so compelling enough To guide your choices today the future takes the shape of choices in the present the idea is to imagine a tomorrow that is so compelling enough to guide the choices of today again i want to be i want to be able to retire when i want to retire i don't want to keep working for the man so my vision is i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna retire at this age i'm gonna make sure i have this much money in the bank all of my debt will be paid. This is a vision. I'm just laying it out for anybody in the room. Yours might look different. Some of you are like, I'm past that. Okay, don't worry about retirement at this point. Where where are you at in your life, and what does that look like? You've got to write it down, and it's got to be so compelling that you're okay with canceling Netflix today. It's got to be so compelling you're okay with not getting Starbucks on the way to work every day. It's got to be so compelling that those small choices... Lead up to the future tomorrow. If you blow and spin now, guess what? There will be nothing there at the end of the days. It's got to be a compelling vision. A lot of times vision is birthed out of hard times. It's birthed out of a place that I have no way to figure this out. I need to see a better future. Some of you in the room, it's time to rise up and make a vision for where you're going to be in your life. Let's move forward. Number two, hard work. Hard work. Vision sounds great. Vision sounds awesome. Vision is fun. Dreaming and believing for the impossible is is absolutely fun. I got a whole journal in my office full of vision stuff. And let me tell you, I went to a coffee shop downtown Memphis, sucked down way too much caffeine and coffee, and wrote my little heart out. But then when you go through that journal, you realize how much work is into it. That's where the rubber meets the road. Peter Drucker says, the problem with vision is it always boils down to hard work. The problem with vision is it always boils down to hard work. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen, Proverbs 28, 19 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. The NIV says it this way, Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Maybe some of us in the room don't have a money problem. We have a work ethic problem. Maybe some of us in the room don't have a money problem. We have a work ethic problem. It's too hard to say no to those things right now, Pastor. It's too hard to say no to those. You seen these nails under these fake ones? I can't stop doing this monthly. Oh, I'm going to step back a little bit. My fault. My fault. Didn't mean to hit you where it hurts. Some of the ladies was like, ooh. Just walk with your hands in your pockets. You'll be all right. <laughs> Fellas, those monthly subscriptions are the, the knives you order all the time randomly or all the different things. It's okay to say no to those right now. <laughs> it's okay to say those no to those things right now. We've got to realize it takes hard work to get to this place. So, some of you need to clarify a vision and then you need to work out your plan. And I want to say this about these scriptures that I'm giving you today. These will help you set be set free. This word will come beside you and help encourage you. That he who works his land will have abundant food. He who puts in the word, it ain't easy to work your land. It is not easy to work your land. It's not easy to stir up things and be consistent in planting and make sure the water is good, make sure the sunlight is good, protect the crop from the freeze. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that. But if you put it in, you will have abundance. But if you go and chase all of these things, frivolously just throwing your money at it, you will get your fill of poverty. The Word of God brings freedom. This is what we stand on. Number three is stewardship. Stewardship. So we've talked about vision, talked about hard work. Here's another pillar of wisdom stewardship this is a very churchy word we call it church things you say in the church to somebody in the world and they go i have no clue what you mean what is being a steward mean being a steward here's what stewardship is stewardship is literally taking care of something that is not yours you have been giving something we just talked about it with with our children that we steward our children they have been given to us but really they're they're a gift from god all good things, James tells us, come from above, come from our Father. So, as a follower of Christ, everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to Him. We've got to get to a place where we're okay with that statement. Well, God didn't go to work and clock in under the man like I did. So, how is it His? Thank you that I can go clock in, Lord. Thank you that my company still has finances to strike my paycheck. Thank you that I'm not working in vain and my family is prepared for. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to do these things. Thank you that I have the ability to get up and to walk and to move and to do what I do with my hands or my mind or my legs or whatever it may be. Yes, they might crick a little more than they did when I first started the job, but they're still going. So we've got to become stewards. We've got to realize I am not an owner. I am a manager. When you realize I am a manager, then you go, God, what would you like me to do with your money? What would you like me to do with my time? Since it belongs to God, I want to manage it well. This is including my time, my health, my marriage and family, and my money. Since it belongs to God, I want to manage my time, my health, my marriage and family, and my money. For some of us in the room like, man, you, you touching on my finances. don't start talking about my health. Don't start talking about my health, pastor. You just stick with the money. This is tough enough. But you got to realize we are temples of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And when he tells me to go, I don't want anything to hold me back from going. When he tells me to go and to do, I want to be able to go and to do all that I can. I'm going to steward my health and my my time and my money. Proverbs 27, 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. This is gold. This isn't just for a pastor. A lot of people will take this and go, see, pastor, you you need to know the condition of your flocks. The things that have been entrusted to you are your flocks as well. Your finances, your kids, your people at work, your time, your health, that is your flocks. You need to know well the condition of those things and give attention to them. Pay attention so that if something is going wrong on the backside, you're aware of it. That you are doing a great job of stewarding what God has entrusted you with. And if you want him to entrust you with more, you've got to steward well what he has already given you. It's like the place at work. Sometimes people, you know these people, they want a promotion and they ain't worked a day in their life. <laughs> Why do you deserve it? Because I've been here long enough. I've been, I've been here longer than you. That doesn't matter anything. But when the boss knows that you work diligently and well, they'll move you to those places. It's the same thing with the Lord. Number four, investment. Investment. Open a savings account. That you can't touch. Open an investment account. Think about your future. With money, we so many times think about the here and now. The bills come in the mail. What am I paying now? This summer, where am I going on vacation? Then when it comes to the future, we ain't got nothing left. We have nothing left to think about. And then we get to that preferred future. We get to that place. And I know the young people in the room are, you're cringing in your seat. Because you do not see this yet. I'm still trying to. This is one I've even put in here. This is one I'm working on. That you have to think about the end before you even start. Yeah. Think about the end because again, the you years from now might not be physically able to do what you can do now. Yeah. Right. And when that time comes, wouldn't it be nice to have it over here on the side already taken care of? Or things start going crazy in the world and you've got your stuff stashed to the side you've been a you've been investing it you've been putting it away you've been saving you haven't just been spending all of it you have to think about this you will you and it cuz again I don't want to just talk about worry free finances today and tomorrow I want to talk about for the days to come I want to talk about for the days to come and some of you that's it Some of you, that is it. You have to think about retirement time. This doesn't exclude the older generation, but this is one that can help the 40-somethings and under. All the way to the youth in the room, listen, parents, you have taught them, you have to teach them the value of money. You have got to teach your children the value of money because right now, it comes out of your pockets. And to them, that source is endless. Ask them how that source happens once they ain't in your house no more they are going to be shocked out of their minds. They're not going to know how to manage money. They're not going to know how to pay bills on time. They're not going to know um, the value of a, of, a, of a dollar. They're not going to understand that gas is gold. You don't get to go pick up seven of your friends just because you felt like it. We as parents have to be diligent about it. Now listen, here's the thing. My parents did not require me to work a job in high school. Some have to do that. That's okay. There are some on both sides. They need to work and learn responsibility. My parents are like, we'll still teach you responsibility with money, but just go and play sports or do something. If you're in sports, that's fine, but if you're just doing nothing with your life, go get a job. But it wasn't an endless source. Here's 20 bucks, put it in your tank. When that 20 is gone, there is no more. There is no more, Ma, Dad, can I please have five more dollars? No, if you want it, you better go find it. You better start charging... Before you get in my car, you better pull $5 out of your pocket and put it right there on the dashboard because it's going in this gas tank for picking you up. (laughs) Young people in the room are like, man, I don't like this pastor teaching. I got a good thing going. Don't mess it up. You got a good thing going now, but I promise you, when you hit the reality of world, you need to know now. You need to know now. Parents, parents teach them. Teach them. We're, we're, we, this is a conversation my wife and I have had about, can I tell you something? This, and this is, maybe this is for a small majority in the room. Fortnite has ruined the value of a dollar. Yeah. Skins are $20. Y'all know what a skin is? Those in the room that don't know, it's another character. What? One character in a video game is like 20 bucks. No and so to a kid that gets it for their birthday and buys like four of them, that's $80. And they're like, yo, can I have more? No. It was your birthday. There you go. (laughs) To them, there is no value attached to it. It's just I'm buying another skin. I'm buying another skin. Dave Ramsey has this incredible thing that you can do for your kids. You set up a board that has an allowance thing on it. You tell them the value of it, and then they get three different tubs. One's for savings. One's for spending. The other one's that money they can't touch. And you teach them to break it up. What are you saving up for? You want, a, you want a little dirt bike? It's going to cost you $120. Write that on the tub. Start putting money in it. You want to spend some money? Put it in there. And then you're going to put this percentage back. And he teaches children to tithe, too. You make a dollar ten you, you you go give it in the offering. But you're teaching your children a very valuable lesson. Even very young. Even very young. Can I encourage envelopes on vacation? I'll buy your meals. I'll make sure you're on the beach and there's stuff in the cooler. But if you want anything outside of that, here's $100. When it's gone, it's gone. Okay. Not getting a lot of amens for my young folks. That's all right. <laughs> I promise you in about mm, 10 years, you'll call me. You got to teach them. You got to teach them. You got to teach them. They're going to get that little paycheck. They're going to get that little bitty paycheck. They're going to be like, "Woo, I have arrived then you're going to go, I need your insurance, your phone bill, and gas. And it's going to be gone. And their hearts are going to be broken. Like, it's better just living at your house. No, it ain't. So let's look at Scripture. Proverbs 21, 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the fool spends all that he has. Woo! It's like the Word of God was written for us. Like the Lord really wants us to see, wants to see us like make it in life. It's crazy how on point the word of God is. Everybody's sitting there going, what? What? God's word is incredible and we've got to lean into it. Number five, I'm going to kind of get through these next few ones. Generosity. Part of stewardship is being generous. Generous. Let me tell you, because you just heard me invest, so now you're going to invest everything. And then when we need, we have a need in the church or God wants to move and support something, you're going to be like, I'm sorry, I invested all that money. You told me to, don't touch it. But stewardship, part of stewardship is being generous, not just hoarding all your money and resources. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. Ooh, this is a good one. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says this. One who gives freely... One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Can I turn your attention one more time? One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer. According to the world, that makes no sense. But I've been trying to teach you God's Word is different. The word tells you, the world tells you, save it, hold on to it, save it for another day, put it in your pocket, don't give it to the church, don't give it to nobody. God's saying, the one who gives freely will grow all the richer. But the one that withholds what he should give, only suffers want. Only suffers want. It does not make some of you in here that are thinking through your flesh brain right now are going, that makes zero sense, exactly. To your flesh, it will make zero sense. But to your spirit, your man inside is going. It's getting stirred and fired up because there's something in you that's being awoken. Awaken, sorry. Woke, I'm all in the, (laughs) I won't go there. It's being awakened inside of us that gives freely, withholds what he should give. A lot of times the Lord will tell us what we should give. That's why we asked you to pray about the, uh, the, the Ukraine offering, which you guys are incredible. We raised over $8,500 for Convoy Hope and the Ukraine. Come on, man. So God is good. Um, they have actually secured a storage facility in Poland. So now they're in the process of shipping everything over there to be able to be an com- incredible resource to the people of Ukraine. So that's, that's going on, and it's all because of your faithful and giving. Okay. But you have a part to play. You have a part to play in the advancement of of the kingdom. It takes money to grow the kingdom of God. It's just plain and simple. Anything else in your life, it takes money to do it. You want a nice yard? It takes money. You want your house upgraded? It takes money. You want you go to the restaurant and you want food? It takes money. But this is an incredible investment into the things of God that you will see a return like you've never seen before. You've got to play your part. Number six, emotional health. The emotion attached to our finances. How we approach money emotionally is critical. How we approach money emotionally is critical. Proverbs 15, 27. The greedy brings ruin to their household. The greedy brings ruin to their household. Greed is an emotion. It is an emotion. I want to turn your attention to another very familiar passage of Scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, many pangs. Leave that scripture up there for just a moment. Your pastor is not telling you money is the root of evil. I am praying and believing for our business owners to be millionaires. I'm praying and believing for people in our church to be millionaires. I'm praying and believing that your finances, wherever you're at, go up. It doesn't have to be millionaires to celebrate what God's doing in your life financially. You having more income has nothing to do, but it's the emotion that's attached to it. The love of that. I got to give up all my time to God because I need to go make that money. I need to go chase that paper. I need to build up these things. And sometimes we'll tag to it while well, I'm doing it for the kingdom of God. I'm going to give my tithe off of it. But you got to pay attention to where your heart is. The way of a man seems right, but the Lord sees your heart. He sees the depths of the reason behind what you are doing. You have to be emotionally healthy when it comes to your money. Because listen, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, many griefs. That love of money to chase it and work on Sunday or to get away from being there again. If your schedule says you work Sunday, you do it with your whole heart. But you signing up for days over and over and over and over again because you want that extra pay is what I'm talking about. Or you say, I'm just going to walk away from the church. It's these things that have caused people to wander and they pierce themselves. Because you know why? They got more money to spend. They're chasing the money. They make more. They go buy more things. And they're even farther in debt. My fruit is more precious than gold. My fruit is more precious than gold than gold, my yield than choice silver. Wisdom is the winner in this. Wisdom is the winner. So we have to be careful how we approach it financially. Number seven is honor. Honor. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine will be bursting with new wine. I want to teach you just for a second on this. When wine is referenced in Scripture to your life, it means wine represents joy, celebration, and abundant blessings of God. Biblically, if you break down wine and you begin to look at what it, what it translates into and what it means when they say your vats will be bursting with new wine, you will be bursting with new joy. You will be bursting with new celebration. You will be bursting with new blessings of God on your life. If you will honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your, then your barns will be full and your vats. You will be bursting with joy. You will be bursting with confidence. You will be bursting with celebration because God's doing it over and over and over and over again. And you will be bursting with the blessings of God that you will not be able to contain it. That's bursting, not you'll just be filled up to the max. Anybody in here want to be bursting with new wine? Anybody want to be at a place where you're just bursting with the goodness of God, where you're just bursting with celebration of what he's doing in your life? It all comes down to honoring him. This is the key to all of it. Do it in honor to him. Do it in honor to him. And watch God just come through every single time. Christina, you mind coming up and... Playing some keys for me for just a moment. The word tithe means a tenth. We had this discussion in one of our journey groups. If you're not in a journey group, you need to get in one. Incredible opportunity to talk more in depth about what we talk about on Sundays, but to just be real and be like, hey, I don't get it. Can somebody help me? Or you get to hear testimonies of people who tried it and seen God come through just the next day. But in one of the journey groups, Sheila's, they were talking about the tithe and where does that come from? The tithe literally means a 10th. That word translated means 10th. That's where we get it from. 10%, a 10th. You have to honor God with that 10th. That 10% of my income, the first 10th of that income, you will see God moving your life. And so as we've talked about these worry-free finances, it literally boils down to these three things thriving we want to see the church and we want to see the people of God thriving not beat down destroyed discouraged a mess but thriving thriving to see God move in your lives in an incredible way number two is trust can I be real with you it's not a money issue it's a trust issue Well, if I give my money, what are you going to do with it? It don't matter. To you, it's not on your shoulders. That's on me. I will answer to God one day for what I've decided to do with the finances of this church. But he will look at you and see your heart. You cannot use the excuse. Well, I knew that pastor was going to go buy something, so I'm I'm not giving to that. He's not going to accept that excuse. It's not a money issue. It's a trust issue. Who are you trusting? You're not trusting me. I'm not fulfilling this promise to you. God is. So when you give, you're not solidifying your trust in me, you're solidifying your trust in God. But when you don't give it, you're solidifying your trust in yourself and your ability to make ends meet on your own. That's what you trust when you don't do this. And I'm standing here with my heart going, please don't do it. Please don't not trust God. Please don't not trust Him. And number three, to try him. God says, test me. That means try it. So I want to give you a practical way to do this. Ushers, uh, not ushers, but my board, I've asked you to hand these out. Board members, if you'll stand up, some of my staff. I know that some of you in the room really want to try it. You really want to try God. Everybody's getting one of these. If you already tithe, take it anyways. I want to give you a step in the right direction. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to give you something in your hands to encourage you. This is a 90-day tithe challenge. God said, try me. So as your pastor, I want to empower you and equip you to try God on this. And all I'm going to ask you to do is I'm just going to ask you to fill it out, even if you already tithe, even if you're already a giver. For some of you in the room, you're about to try this for the first time. But we want to see you not miss out on living the blessed life that God has for you. I want you to hear me. This is not about our church making it financially. This is not coming from the place that I need your money. God will be faithful and do as we trust him and we tithe. We tithe as a church. Everything that comes in, we cut it off the top. Right off the top, we cut it off. So we trust God because we've tried him at it and he has been faithful. He has been wonderful in all of it but I want to encourage you and empower you to try God today so what I need you to do is I need you to fill out the card if you're intentionally going to try this and in just a minute the same people that just handed those out to you they're going to grab a bucket we're going to come back around you're going to drop it in and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over these for you and I'm going to believe these scriptures right here for you that you're honoring God with your wealth and your first fruits and that you're trying God and that he will that you will see that he will open up the windows of heaven and he will pour it out to where there will be no more need in your life for some of you your hand is shaking as you're filling this out but can I encourage you the you in 90 days is going to be totally different the you in 90 days is going to be have your eyes completely open for some of you this is a road you are on the road to Damascus to do things with your finances that God had not intentionally set and he showed up and said, I'm giving you a sign to show you that I am real. Put me to the test and try me. So as you're taking that time to fill it out, uh, board, staff, if you'll go ahead and grab a bucket, we're going to take these up. And like I said, I'm going to pray over you, even the ones that are already tithing. But I want to just put it in your hands. I know that some of you have been in this place and you've been like, man, I want to try it but I am so scared. I am so scared. Just trust God. 90 days, that's it. Each time you get a paycheck, 10%. 10%. Cut it off the top and watch God make it stretch. Trust God. Trust God. What I want to do is I want to pray over you. If you will, stand with me in the room today. Three reasons we did this series, to thrive, to see you thrive, to see the church thrive, to see the people of God thrive, to help us trust God. For some of you, this is a giant step of faith, and I cannot wait to see your reaction to how faithful God is and how wonderful he is. It's about your choice. Don't claim the the promises attached to this if you choose not to do this. And then come back and go, Pastor, and let me tell you, let me, uh, thank you, Lord. This is not, I'm giving a gift to the church. This is not a, hey, I had an extra $100, I'm giving it to the church. No, it's, I'm giving my tithe. This is a 90-day tithing challenge, okay? 90-day tithing challenge. God sees your heart. He sees your heart. So, Lord, right now, I pray over your people. I pray over their hearts. I pray over their decisions, God. For some of them, their flesh is like, there is no way you can make it if you give up 10% of your income. There is absolutely no way possible. But God, your word tells us to try you. And we're gonna be so bold of faith today that we're gonna try it. We're gonna cut our tithe check and we're gonna give it to you and we're gonna watch you do what you said you would do, God. We know that you will always be faithful on your end. So Lord, I'm just praying for incredible testimonies. The hearts of people to be stirred as they give. The excitement that comes from it, God, that you would honor them. Honor them as they give. We love you. We just honor and treasure your word. Thank you for these scriptures from Proverbs, God, that will help us to walk out these seven steps. Help us to get connected into a journey group, God, so that we can link up with people of like faith when we need a little bit of encouragement, to be encouraged by our group, God. Lord, we just love you. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. You're wonderful. You're so wonderful. And we love you. And we thank you. Bless, bless the people today. Those at home, those that aren't feeling well, God. We just love you, Jesus thank you. It's in your mighty, wonderful, powerful name that we pray these things. Everyone said, Amen.